I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. Subscribe to our feed by going to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed to get your true crime on Tuesdays. We also drop in the main feed on Wednesdays. Now, Mari, we like feedback, don't we? Sure do. Sure do. Ari, Ari Gold sent us a message just writing to say when the latest episode popped into my phone yesterday, it was my favorite part of the day and I was already having a pretty good day. <laughs> Thanks mm-hmm. for the pod. So thank you for that, Ari. We do love getting these messages. We appreciate all the messages, positive or otherwise. Uh, please be respectful, but please do tell us what you think. So Kelda messaged us to say, I love the podcast and look forward to every episode. But they also let us know that while they were listening to the Keep Sweet podcast, they heard an anti-abortion ad which played several times. And to say that we were appalled to hear this hardly covers it. Yes, Kelda told us that they are in Kansas, so we immediately alerted Rob, the head of the network, to the issue. He was already aware of it and taking steps to block such ads in the future. Kelda, we are so sorry for the distress this caused and to any other listeners who heard the ad. Sarah and I are totally and completely for bodily autonomy. We believe that abortion is a matter for the person who is pregnant and their doctor. Our bodies, our choice. Our bodies are choice indeed. And these choices to have or not to have an abortion, they are not made lightly and they are always made in an informed manner. So Mari, what are we talking about today? So let's open today's file. We watched The Janes. It's available on Binge in Australia and HBO in the US. Um, The Janes is directed by Tia Lesson and Emma uh, Peitles. I swear every time I'm like, I hope I say their names right. (laughs) (laughs) And to discuss this documentary and the subjects that it covers, we have a wonderful guest with us. She's a postdoc at Yale with a PhD in biomedical engineering. And she podcasts about Survivor, Big Brother, The Masked Singer and Drag Race. You better work, Liana Boris. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I think that's the best introduction I've ever gotten on any podcast ever. I'm going to try to finagle my way back here more often. Thank you so (laughs) much. (laughs) I'm honestly, I'm so excited to be here with the two of you to talk about uh, the Janes. I think that this is obviously something that's very topical. And Uh as someone who's, you know, not the the biggest uh, crime fan, true crime fan, this was like the perfect opportunity for me to get, you know, the the chance to talk to the both of you. So uh, thank you again for having me. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that we, that we had to we had to script our opening is so that we didn't just sort of scream with rage in an incoherent <laughs> fashion. Um, so, so welcome to Crime Scene, Liana. So great to have you. Yes. Yeah, and you mentioned so you're not that big of a true crime fan. Tell us a no, little bit about I, that. <laughs> so I yeah, like you guys talked about last week. Everyone listened to Serial. So yes, that that was sort of my, you know, first introduction to everything. And then like my favorite murder started popping up. And that was sort of how I, how I was introduced to to crime scene uh, in like the concept of, you know, crime documentaries and podcasts and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, uh, I, I know, like, it's so crazy because I do like biomedical work. I work in the cardiovascular research center. 
but like I I get so queasy. <laughs> so hearing about like murder and dismembered bodies and stuff, I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. I love the mystery part of it. And I think mm-hmm. like that's has, was always my favorite part. So I dabble when I can, but I will tell you, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily the top of my list because I don't I don't know if I can survive. <laughs> Literally. So are you the type of scientist who likes who likes cold cases or hates cold cases? Ooh, I don't, I don't know about that. Okay, so by cold case, well, how do you define that exactly? As a case that is unsolved, currently unsolved, right. mm-hmm. like there's no, you know, you don't know the answer. Yeah. I think that there's obviously something very exciting about that because you don't know, and you can theorize, and you can come up with all of these different, you know, ideas of what you think is happening. But at the same time, as a scientist, literally, I'm trying to answer questions, and I right. want the answer. <laughs> so, so at the risk of me like jumping in myself, being like, "You sure you don't need a PCR test? I'd be happy to look at the DNA." Um, I think, I, I think ultimately. I would lean towards things that are solved, but I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, again, to go back to serial, my like one super concrete example, the the jury's still out on that. So, and that was right. still very entertaining. So, I think I could go either way, but I think there's something in the scientist in me that's like, I need to know the answer now. Exactly. Are you prepared to go on record about Adnan? Oh my God, no! Don't please do don't that. make me challenge that. Don't put me out there. We won't. We won't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes, uh, but I had to ask that question because that's that's what it is. It's like it's either the unknown and trying to figure it out that, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially people in our type of field like, or it's uh, you know ha- wanting to have the answer. And I'm the same. I'm like I I do not like cold cases because I need the answer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. But we're so so glad to have you. We, you know, we do schedule these way far out and (laughs) the um, fallout of everything that has happened in between us, you know, asking to have you on to talk about the documentary and actually like coming down like on June 24th, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. It has just been six days of just... I, I've just been, it's, it's been hard, you know, cause you, you try and not think about it, but then definitely think about it. And this, um, watching the Janes definitely, it made me feel good about where we were, but now I'm just like, now we're like at square one. I mean, what, what were y'all's just overall feelings of just watching, uh, the, the property in light of what's happened recently? I'll start with you, Leon. Yeah, I uh, look, it's it's been a really tough week. And I think even knowing because I think when was it March that we got the leak that they were most likely going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So we had Mm -hmm. an idea of what was going to happen. But I think it's another thing to actually have it hit and be real Mm -hmm. and to start hearing as early as the day after or the day of women who are being impacted, not just women, of course, there are, Mm -hmm. you know, non-binary and trans that can also be impacted by this, but people who are immediately dealing with the ramifications of not being able to get the care that they need. I uh, heard one story of a woman who was, uh, had a miscarriage and needed the two pills in order to help to pass right uh Mm -hmm. and a pharmacist refused to fill the prescription despite her getting the prescription right so we're already starting to see these ramifications and so to turn back to watch the jane uh the janes which is obviously um as you guys 
summarized at the beginning about women who are trying to offer these services to those who could not get the abortion care that they needed and to hear about the women who were in the septic wards and all of those types of things. It almost just felt like, oh, crap, this is the dystopia that we're heading towards. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. thankfully, you know, I, I would hope that there's been some progress made and we'll talk about, you know, all of this as we go through everything. But overall, it was just sort of a feeling of despair, <laughs> which I wish I had a different, a different feeling of that. I, it, it is yeah. somewhat empowering, but ultimately at the end of the day, like crap, is this where we're going? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Sarah? Well, it's horrifying to watch it from, from here in Australia. Yeah. And I'm not one who says, Oh, well, that's America. Those crazy Americans leave them to uh-huh. it. Um, we're all human beings and I, and I have a fellow feeling towards uh, all, uh, people who can get pregnant in the world and they need, uh, healthcare and they need compassion. I think it's slightly easier for us here because we until recently had an absolutely appalling, uh, right wing government who looked to Trump. Uh, the, the prime minister was very pleased with his relationship uh, with that man. And they uh, are uh, evangelical. They're Hillsong, evangelical uh, Christians. Yes, Hillsong. The, um, the cabinet was overstuffed with uh, Hillsong people. And we recently just got our pencils because that's how we vote. We vote on a Saturday morning. Just try it. Lucky it's you. Good. Yeah, I know. Uh, we go to a little booth and we have a pencil and two big pieces of paper and you fill it out with your pencil. And by the pencil and by the groundswell of disgust towards the, the previous government, uh, we returned uh, a Labor government who is a left wing with the help of a very interesting group of 11, they call them teal independents, teal being a colour. And a lot of these independents are actually from the right who had left the party and were wanting to work for a different kind of Australia, a different kind of world. So for us, had it been prior to the election, I think it would have been, I mean, it's distressing enough to see this happening to to all of you over there. It would have been even more distressing given our political situation. Now we find ourselves uh, feeling a little easier. You can have an abortion in Sydney. You can have a medical abortion for $250. That comes under the Medicare, so it's subsidised by the socialised medicine. And you can have a surgical abortion for around about $500. Don't quote me. Don't take my advice. You know, do your do your uh, research, as they say. But they the um, abortion is available in Australia, and I'm very grateful that in 1983, when I needed an abortion, I was able to have one easily, in terms of practical, uh, easily. I always knew that I didn't want to have children, so it wasn't a great emotional tussle for me. And the person who did it was uh, very kind and the people around me were very kind and very practical. And that's what I wish for every woman. And I just would like to say that I know that there's a great concentration on what about incest, what about rape, what about the 11-year-old girl who's pregnant. These are Mm -hmm. terrible, terrible situations. But if you believe that abortion should be available for those people, then you believe in abortion. Uh Just saying. 
Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> splitting hairs there, right? Yeah, splitting hairs. And that uh and we hear this in not only the Janes, but also another documentary that Murray and I'll talk about uh in a little while called Reversing Row. Any reason is the reason. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Sarah. We really appreciate that. Um, so let's get to the documentary um uh, that we're discussing today in the pre uh Roe versus Wade uh Wade era. Activists calling themselves Jane build an underground network for women with unwanted pre- pregnancies uh, who pro- and they want to provide low cost, free, illegal abortions to an estimated 11,000 women. I think the I think it was from what, uh, 1968 to 1972. 70. Yeah. Well, 73 until 73. Well, 73 when came in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 73. Perfect. Yes. 11,000 women. Eventually, seven of the Janes were arrested. They're facing up to um, 110 years in prison each. They're very smart defense lawyer, uh, Joanne Wilson, knowing that the Supreme Court was about to rule on Roe v. Wade, stalled their trial until the ruling. So it's kind of, again, it's bittersweet because in this documentary, we're following the lives of, of these women and this um, underground abortion network and the saving grace of it, the, you know, the ending of what we're presented as what what saved them is Roe v. Wade. And because Roe v. Wade passed, they then, you know, the charges were dropped a- against them. And it's like, you know, it's it's a positive. It's a, it's a good outcome. And then watching this after knowing what we knew was just very it just it just was re-traumatizing to be quite honest it just made me even sadder um knowing that we no longer have that um you know that that feeling or whatever Mm -hmm. well i i think uh i think so one one thing that uh, i i liked about the documentary for what it was although i think to look at the history of abortion in america all the way back to like i don't know the colonial days, you know, the 1600s, (laughs) I think is also really important. So this really just focuses on sort of what Chicago, specifically Chicago, Chicago. they do talk because that's where the Jane operation was held. They do talk a little bit about what it was like in New York and some other places that are relevant to the Chicago story. Mm -hmm. What I felt like the, the documentary did is it set a good foundation for what attitudes were like at the time that they were providing these services. So essentially Chicago is like very Catholic, obviously mm-hmm. male dominated right white men specifically um and they explained what was happening to these women who were trying to get abortions through the mob <laughs> through their own Whoa, means yeah. mm-hmm. um and to essentially set the stage of essentially the issue was that women were still going to try to have the abortion yes and what's going to happen is they're going to die <laughs> Because mm-hmm. they're going to be unable to get safe care. And so that was where the Janes stepped in as the organization to be able to fill, fulfill that need of providing safe care so that women are not leaving the septic abortion ward every day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the Bob Dylan song. Was there anything that you want to talk about? <laughs> it, it opened with a, a Bob Dylan song that you, you have highlighted here. So I, I assume you might want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, well, just to sort of uh, place, I suppose, place myself in the narrative as as I I have started to do and will continue to do. These were I loved watching these women. I loved seeing these women. So mm-hmm. I was a young teenager in 1973. So these women are the first wave feminists, and I would be part of the second wave. So I knew 
when I was uh, coming to consciousness and and going to groups and sitting on the floor and saying, I mean, mm. I know we don't normally swear on this uh, podcast, but we were saying, fuck, it's fucked. This is all fucked. <laughs> and I was so thrilled to hear a person, let alone a woman, saying this word, and it was really strong and to me it was really exciting and it was the beginning of my activism. It was women like these women who are maybe 10 years no more older than me, who were my my teachers and my guides and my 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 activists and my the people that I went to for this information, and so seeing them now, well, see the old the old film of them and all sitting around and the smoking the cigarettes and the hippie look that I wore myself, mm-hmm. I was so enamored of them. It's going to be very hard for me to give a, a an objective opinion about the documentary, <laughs> let alone the subject that it that it covers. So the Bob Dylan uh, quote is if you're going to be an outlaw, you have to be honest. And mm-hmm. one of the Janes also uh, Peaches, I think, uh, the delightful Peaches uses this quote. And what she meant by it is we were completely trustworthy. Because what uh-huh. we were doing was illegal, everything else about us was completely trustworthy. And these women put their trust in them, women, yes. people who could get pregnant, put their trust in complete strangers, gave their full names, gave uh-huh. their real names, gave their phone numbers. And the desperation of them to put their hands into these non-medically trained women uh is something that should be considered now. And you say septic ward, the fact that there was an entire ward in a hospital called the septic abortion ward, which was solely and entirely for women who had tried to have their, to give themselves abortions or been beaten, kicked uh, by their partners who didn't want them to be pregnant or thrown themselves down the stairs or stabbed themselves. They mm-hmm. had a whole ward that was entirely for uh, women who had tried to abort their fetus and that it had not happened, and they mm-hmm. were now in septic shock and infected and likely to die. And the fact that this one ward in one hospital was receiving uh, uh, um, many women every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is what's coming. This is uh, this is coming again which, because you. Yeah, it goes without saying. If you make abortion illegal, you don't stop abortion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's as not a, how to do it. <laughs> as a, f- a former hospital worker who knows, who constantly works with hospitals to this day, who knows how severely understaffed they are at in every single department from nursing to the lab techs to, you know, the, the, the uh, radiology tech, stuff like that. They, our hospitals are completely understaffed in every way, shape or form. And the fact that this, they're about to be burdened with with this new obstacle because you know the supreme court decided to take away a whole bunch of people's choices is just very upsetting to me and i'm just it's gonna be very hard um to think about the ramifications of what's gonna happen but the the documentary starts off i'm sorry liana did you want to say something no well i was just gonna um so like uh Yes, obviously, in a lot of states that had the trigger bans and all of that kind of stuff go into effect or abortion laws that were already on the books that were just, you know, obviously not implemented because of the the federal mandate. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, there are 
other states that are expanding their care. So yes. I know Connecticut, um, I think this Friday, so tomorrow as of when we're recording this, it's the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act that goes into effect that essentially expands care for anyone who comes out of state seeking abortion care. And most importantly, because obviously crime is very important, we'll talk about it, but they <laughs> legally protect those who come out of state to seek an abortion. So okay. obviously that's completely uncharted territory of how that's mm-hmm. actually going to work when it's implemented, but it supposedly legally protects those seekers um, from anti-abortion states. So okay. I think as, you know, even though I, I totally, as I said at the beginning, there was a sense of like impending doom. I love what mm-hmm. Sarah said about just seeing empowered women doing shit like that's awesome. Yes. So mm-hmm. there, that was like a good takeaway. And then also knowing, okay, we're not in exactly the same place that we were. We're not in a place where medical decisions can only be made by men, although maybe we're getting there. <laughs> or we're not in a decision, at least at the moment, where contraception is, you know, completely uh, inaccessible. Right? Very true. So those are the things I kept trying to keep in my mind yeah. <laughs> like, as we're going through this. I'm like, okay, it's not exactly the same, Leon. It's not exactly the same. Yes. It's going to be okay. And I, and right, thank you. Please feel free to interject with some um, some positive stuff because I am <laughs> sitting right now in a state who just elected a very crazy uh, Trump-esque governor who yeah. already is trying to talk about what he can do to um, take away abortion rights. So yeah, it's 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 not fun, but there are some positives at the end of this. Um, at the end of this podcast, we'll give you some resources if you want to help donate or if you need help seeking abortion and all of that. Um, but- one of the one of the positives that we can hold, and thank you, Liana, for bringing this up, is it is now, it is not then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as, as somebody who lived then, you know, life is is different, and one of the ways that it's different is the uh, exchange of information. Uh, and one of the ways that it is different is the rage of the oppressed peoples, uh, women, minorities, marginalized people, indigenous people, queer people, all manner of people will not stand for this. Mm-hmm. So currently it seems desperately enraging and sad and, and one can feel helpless Mm-hmm. But I believe that the action of the 24th of June will not stand. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very tough. If you were a, were a person who was pregnant, seeking an abortion with your appointment, sitting in a waiting room on the 24th of June, apparently the states with trigger bans meant that you couldn't, you were right there and you couldn't get the care that mm-hmm. you needed. Mm-hmm. So it's small comfort for somebody who needs it now because we must understand right. of course that, that abortion is a time sensitive uh, medical procedure mm-hmm. right but i have hope that that this will not stand and that through the activism about the health of uh, women and people who can get pregnant other activisms will also activate i think there's right. a whole lot of uh, injustice and uh uh, oppression that is about to be swept away. If you could think of a sweep being slightly slower than you would wish it to be, so that's my the, that's the positive that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. given the change of government that we've just had, uh, when we were feeling very brought down, one of the Janes says, traveling under the radar of the Chicago mafia and the Chicago Police Department, that's where that's where a case of men underestimating women's abilities worked very well for us. 
Um, yes. Yeah. Which so was a great point. Say, no, that was so good. Yes. <laughs> men, men underestimating people's abilities to 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 mm-hmm. um, prize will will work yeah. very well. I mean, we've already started to see this, right? So um, the New York Times has a really great little graphic thing that they keep updating about where what abortion um, restrictions are in what state. So in Arizona, Utah, Louisiana, and Kentucky, the ban has been blocked. Their trigger bans have been blocked by mm-hmm. local judges um, yes. within the state. Um, Washington, Oregon, California, New Mexico, Hawaii, Minnesota, New York, uh, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Connecticut, as I mentioned, um, Vermont and Massachusetts are all expanding access as well. So mm-hmm. like, thankfully, there's these elements that, as you guys both mentioned, that we're starting to see that hopefully, you know, will keep us <laughs> keep us feeling like not all hope is lost well yes. yeah i mean it has to be said and of course it's, this is this is something that our listeners will know about about us i'm sure it won't be a surprise that we know and acknowledge that uh traveling out of state is not available for everybody mm-hmm. and why should you have to exactly from anything else exactly. and i have unfortunately taken to a little bit of doom scrolling on twitter and yeah. one thing that always astonishes me is i see people saying well why don't you move well, mm. why should you? So it, when we're, when we're, and, and thank you, Liana, for that information. When we're talking about the positiveness that exists in certain states, we're also all three of painfully aware that this is not necessarily a, an option that's going to be available for, for every person mm-hmm. who is seeking this medical, uh, right. treatment. Great point. Okay, <laughs> so let's get into the documentary. <laughs> um, I just thought uh, to very much point out that it starts out with uh, Dory Barron. She's talking about how it, it was very visceral, the starting of it, because she, she's giving her account on how she is pregnant. She wanted an abortion and she ended up calling the mob for an abortion. And she calls this number and they said, do you want a Chevy? Do you want a Chevy? Do you want a Cadillac or do you want a Rolls Royce? A Chevrolet is $500, a Cadillac is $750, and a Rolls Royce of abortions is $1,000, which, first off, a few things, that is a lot of money because this is the 1960s. Um, I forget which year she said specifically it was when she had her abortion, but this is the 1960s. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of money right now. That's mm-hmm. a lot of money back then then, yeah. uh, then my second- I, well i did i just did the calculation so this is i don't know an inflation calculator i found on the internet so trust it what you will but uh in i chose 1968 a thousand dollars is the equivalent purchasing power of eight thousand four hundred dollars today oh my god yeah so Ooh, that's a lot in perspective <laughs> and then, but my my second thought was like there there's levels to abortions like how is what am i getting for a chevy abortion that i'm not what what am i not getting in a chevy abortion that you'd be getting in the rolls that i was just like this is wild to me like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't understand what the the difference is i wish that was one thing i do wish they would have explained it like is the rolls royce with the doctor is a chevy with some brand like yes i i think i i mean i would imagine that 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 for eight thousand dollars you're getting an you're getting an actual doctor uh dory and another woman were young woman were just put into a hotel room and three sentences were said to them and they were left uh, bleeding on the beds so that's your $500 worth yeah yeah and I think that um that open opening the documentary truly uh put in perspective like 
you know, it, it, it put you there. I think it, it truly mm-hmm. did a great job of putting you back into like 1968. Um, we then get a lot of, I thought this was, what did you guys think of the background here? We got a lot of anti-war movement and civil rights background because a lot of the women were talking about how they were participating in the civil rights movements and the anti-war movements. I really, I truly, really did appreciate this um, section here. Um it, not, it wasn't like a montage, but they definitely took a, a few minutes to acknowledge that a lot of these women came from these movements. And, you know, a lot of the, most of the Janes are white. They're all white. So it was, it was a really nice job to see a lot of good allies there. Like, um, yeah. except for, except for Marie, Marie Lena. Yeah. Marie Lena yes. is a black woman, but, but it is a very white and they acknowledge it. It's a very white they do too, yeah. a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love this uh, here. I, yeah, I think uh, I think for me, it also helped to motivate why it happened, right? Because it was a mm. lot of feelings of, you know, all of these negative feelings of authority and wanting to do something, but mm-hmm. then seeing, you know, the men run the stage. So yep. then that was what ends up starting the Chicago Women's Liberation Union, which then also mm. helps to form the Janes. And so I felt like it was not only put us in the context of the time, but also then helped to motivate where the, well, you know, kind of why and where the Janes came from. Yes, exactly. And it just, I I just love seeing like human empathy, like in a state of action, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. You know, you want to transition it to a a state of action. And these women are just so inspiring. I just want to give a few of their names here. Um, But we got uh, Judith Arcana. Um, who did she, was she the one? She was the one who came up with, well, Eleanor came up with Jane. Ella, Eleanor, Eleanor Oliver said, yeah. came up with the Jane and they, they said, well, nobody uses the name Jane yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Call this number and ask for Jane. Yes. That's, um, I mean, that's the other very woman thing I like is, oh, it's not just women, but the simplicity mm-hmm. of that. Just, just yes. ask for Jane. You know. Yeah. They, they put up flyers on college campuses. They, posted an advertisement uh i think it specifically was uh pregnant need help call jane it was eleanor's house phone that they were that they gave them the number to and they would they would told them to leave a message and they would call them back and they were supposed to this is how kind of how the jane how the process works so the person would call the number they would give all of their information on the the um leave the information on the voicemail machine and then the answering machine and then they would write them down on little index cards they would write the person all the information that the person left they would write it on the index card like the person's age the the gestation date why they they wanted the abortion it didn't matter to them they said they did not care why they wanted the abortion and you know some of the messages were long they told them everything it didn't matter they put it all on the index cards and they were handing them out and they would do counseling um before and we also, get it so sorry to interrupt yeah. but also the no. amount of money that the woman was able to pay yes. and we actually mm-hmm. see some of these index cards it's very moving the stack yeah. of index cards and some of the women say nothing some of them say a dollar and there was one that we saw that said $350 so mm-hmm. the idea with the Janes is you will all get the same you're not going to get Chevy Cadillac and Rolls Royce but <laughs> some people will <laughs> some, some people will pay nothing and some people will pay more if they have it and mm-hmm. um, and I find that 
really delicious. And it comes from their activism. It comes from the anti-war. They were all, a lot of them were students. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they were involved in it, in the student alliances. You know, their activism came through that. And then going, well, hang on, where are women in this circumstance? Uh, Marie talks about the Black Panthers. She likes the Black Panthers. She supports mm-hmm. the Black Panthers. But for the Black Panthers, the woman was subservient to the man and so she would never actually join them. And interestingly enough, it's Marie who puts the arrested women onto Joanne Wolfson because Joanne Wolfson uh, defended the Black Panthers. Yes. Uh Great, great point here. So once they get the cards, they would pass them around and they would all take take the cards, they would contact the, the the patient and they would counsel the women. And this is, this is the part that I really liked, especially like as a medical professional, when they would counsel the woman, they would tell the women everything that goes on in abortion. They would, they would really try to make sure they understood and not from a place of judgment. They said it was not our, our, our duty to judge. We would just um, tell them what to expect because I think it was Eleanor who said when I think she had an abortion too. A, a lot of them did. A lot of the Janes understood the struggle because most of them or a few of them had had abortions themselves. Um, but Eleanor who who said that it was nothing like what she she had experienced when she had an abortion. So they wanted to really make sure that the that the their patients were um, understand. They understood what was going on. They calmed them down. They made them feel safe because you know, this is all illegal (laughs) to to make them feel safe. And so they would do counseling either in their homes. And then once they would do the counseling was over and they would set up a date, they would, they would send them to what was called the front. Um, The front was always moving, always changing, but the front, it would be where the women would wait. Oftentimes women would take their other children to bring them along to be in the front. It was like basically a legitimate waiting room. Um, once, once a woman, um, it was time for her abortion. She would leave from the front. She would take a taxi that one of the Janes would, it's not a taxi. I mean, they taxied her, but it was Mm -hmm. somebody's car that one of the Janes was driving. They would drive her to the place and the place is where they would actually conduct the abortions. At this time, we'll talk about it. Uh, the abortions were done by Mike. Mike Mike was was there. It was just Mike with quotation marks in the documentary. And once Mike was done, again, the woman would be taken back in that car. They would drive as if they were being followed and they'd be taken back to the front so they could go home. So what what was amazing to me is they had a two week follow up. They would stay in contact with these women for two weeks after the abortion. I mean, how thoughtful and incredible. Amazing. And what do you think of this process, Liana? It it seemed mm-hmm. very sensible and straightforward to me. Well, first of all, crazy to think what people do when they actually care about other human beings, right? That's right. where all the counseling and the follow up comes from. And and that's the thing is is that when uh, just planning an abortion is conspiracy to commit a felony. You know, yes. you're, you're you're in it for the right reasons. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, so in terms of the the whole process of it all, it it's a crime. Literally, like literally, yeah. this is a crime. And so it felt so cool to have and to hear the stories of these women who were, you know, drive like you're being tailed. Right. Which ultimately, <laughs> when they end up getting busted, the one group of them, you know, they were taught to take side streets, to make a lot of turns, to not stay mm-hmm. on the major roads and to have this sort of real life 
underground, like women's liberation movement kind of boiling to to give these women what they need. I just thought was really, really cool to see. It totally makes sense when you think about the process because they have to hide it all. So they have to have that front. They have to have the, you know, the taxiing. They have to do it that way. And they were able to make it for what five, you know, five ish years uh, before ultimately being yeah. busted because the homicide unit ends up getting called and put on them, even though, you know, by originally... two women. It has to be yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, totally. The process makes sense because you, you're doing what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they're constantly moving the place and the front mm-hmm. like they can't stay in the same building. So they're sometimes they're using house different Jane's houses. One Jane talked about how um, she used her friend's house and her friend came home from work at five o'clock and they weren't done. And I guess she had agreed with her friend that they'd be done by five. They went over five. She said, well, we're not really friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's how like how fluid this all had to be they said they learned how to um build a clinic uh, in 15 minutes and also get rid of everything in five like uh it was very it, it felt like like Leon, it was so like cool because they were like they were cool they were like it was like almost like spies almost yeah. like you know what I'm <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes, exactly what's fascinating to me is that they advertised they had tear-off strips they mm-hmm. could have been followed and one woman who came to them for an abortion uh, when she left her message, left the phone number and said, don't be surprised, it's the Chicago Police Department. She was a police officer. Uh, someone said, um, one of the the girls said, don't say anything if because my father's a police officer. Uh-huh. It, seems, it seems that they were saying now, and perhaps there was a feeling then, that they, the cops and the politicians actually knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But it was to their advantage to not know because mm-hmm. their daughters, wives, mistresses, mistresses. sisters, and so, mm-hmm. so on were taking advantage. And they were finally brought down because the two sisters-in-law of a woman who came to the Janes uh, went to the homicide department. And we have the delightful, his name of Sergeant Ted O'Connor, uh, who, who thought that the women wouldn't like being locked up with sex workers. And in fact, they all had a big old party. Right. <laughs> so the, the homicide department doesn't want, does not want the case. They don't yeah. want it. There uh-huh. is an enormous um, backwardsing and forwardsing of the complaint in the police department. And you get the feeling that if they could have buried it, they would have buried it. Well, did you get that feeling too? Yeah, I mean, they who they didn't want the paperwork. It felt like I, I thought it was very interesting that that detective was talking about how he talked to his partner, who is Irish Catholic. They went to the head of the homicide department, who is Irish Catholic, who then called the chief of police if they should have to take this, who's Irish Catholic. And he and they point out that none of them even he said, we didn't know what abortions are abortions like all these men who just don't know the concept or just don't think that it's, you know, possible for it to happen are just like, why do we have to deal with this? And, you know, that's the one time you wish like that apathy had taken over and they just <laughs> let it slide. <laughs> I, I, to me, it's hilarious because it almost kind of represents of like, is this really what we're going to spend time on right now? Like yeah. really? Because for them, they were essentially saying, well, there's all of these other, there's murder going Murders. on every mm-hmm. other day, right? We should be spending our time doing this. I don't think it was because they thought that abortion was a right that, you know, you should have choice over your body. But mm-hmm. they were essentially saying like, look, this is a bigger priority. And I, I just <laughs> sort of feel like 
gun control. Could we like do something about that? You know what I mean? It's just so funny yeah. to see those parallels, unintentional, completely unintentional, but to see mm-hmm. it now of like, yeah, there's things that are more important. Like, gosh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, very great, great point. And I mean, maybe we should, do we want to talk about the capture or do we want to talk? I kind of want to, let's kind of talk about how it changed a little bit for the Janes because at one point they did get a little bit of help um, in abortion rights from the, uh, what is the clergy clergy service? Yeah. The clergy (laughs) consultation service. And this Mm -hmm. pops up in the, in one of the other uh, documentaries that we watched about this, the clergy consultation service, which was made out of, made up of clergymen. It was like, was it 14 clergymen Mm -hmm. and two rabbis? Yeah. The Protestants, of course. Yeah, that would <laughs> that would provide uh, abortion counseling, but would also provide abortion services. So they would do stuff like they would fund women to fly out of out of town. They would um, they would uh, point them to a doctor who would help. And um, I think the Janes even said like once the the clergy consultation service had had came. I don't know if they, they like had came mainstream, but once it was kind of known that at least certain clergy were okay with abortion, that it felt like more people were um, soliciting for some. Well, it, it was the change of laws in New York as well. It was a combination yeah. of the clergy mm-hmm. consultation service and the fact that you could go to New York to have an abortion if you had the means. Yeah. And so for the Janes, it changed because of the the clergy and because of this change for people with economic means uh, to go to New York. And so their clientele changed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's what I understood is that they were essentially parallel services to a certain yes. extent. The James mm-hmm. providing services to the woman who could not afford, right, was kind of the point. And then the clergy mm-hmm. service, because I don't think they would pay, they wouldn't pay to send them the consultation mm-hmm. service. It was like women who could pay to go do that would fly initially internationally. But then once mm-hmm. New York legalized abortion in 1970, then they would send them to New York. That's right. They were sending them off to London. But um, the clergy consultation service did get funding from uh, Hugh Hefner, Playboy. Playboy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Um, and and yeah. So it 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 changed uh, the type of clientele that the Janes were getting. So now they were getting poor, low income, mostly uh, black women or minority women. They were starting to see more more lower class uh, poor, poor women. And so because of this, this is the part that I really like that they acknowledge. They're like, we're all white middle class white women. So like mm-hmm. it's kind of like so. This is where uh, Marie comes in. Um, she. I think it was it was was it her and I was it one other woman? It was a different woman. It was yes. I'll get oh, her name. Crystal yeah. O. Crystal yeah. O, who Crystal. was four, fourteen. Oh yeah. So they um so Marie helped like when you walk in, you know, you're 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 poor, you're black, you're like you've answered an illegal message for an abortion and you see all these white women. Marie and Crystal were there to help, like kind of like just it's okay. <laughs> like, you yes. know, so sometimes you kind of need to make sure you're, you're not walking into a trap here. So, mm-hmm. um, but also Crystal shared the story of, of her when she was 14, how her, one of her friends had to receive an abortion and they went to the Janes and they helped them and how it, it had like radicalized her to, to help. Um, so it, I mean, it was. That, that is interesting uh, that, that not all the Janes, but some of the Janes went to a Jane uh, had an abortion mm-hmm. and thought, I have to contribute. I mean, exactly. the, the fact that they were 
middle class, mostly entirely white women, is not it's not just a fact, it's a kind of fundamental basis for the Janes. Mm-hmm. They all, they all, or some of them say it to one extent or another. They knew what they were doing was illegal, but mm-hmm. they felt that cloak of safety or respectability. For example, uh, Judith O'Connor is married to a, a lawyer called mm-hmm. Michael, yeah. who was very supportive. We do see a couple of the Jane husbands and that's how mm-hmm. they're titled, Jane husband. So they, they feel, if they're not feeling they're privileged, they're certainly feeling that that veneer of protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that sort of pushed them through. And we see one after another saying perhaps we were naive or perhaps we never thought about it. And I think that that them being privileged white women is kind of also the point of the Janes, that mm-hmm. their their respectability was their cloak as well and it may be why the cops and the politicians knowing something about them weren't acting upon them because of that privilege yeah i i think it's not just that i think it's also well first of all i think it's a classic example of why allyship allyship is so incredibly important because Mm -hmm. you have people who are coming from a place of privilege but not just because of the whole white privilege of it all but also from the financial privilege right of being able Mm -hmm. to dedicate time to helping women who who need this service and to recognize that you have the ability to help others that would not be able to do this otherwise and why having that type of allyship like i said is so important and so i'm i'm happy that they did mention a little bit of it i wish that they had gone a little bit more into that about what that meant what that meant for them interacting you know and having those changes in the demographics of the people they were seeing Understandably, it was just a, a small part of it, but I, I would have liked yeah. maybe a little bit more on that. Um, but I think again, it highlights allyship. Great point. Great point. I I completely agree with that. Look, do we t- want to talk about Mike now? Let's. T- let's oh my! Talk. We got. We <laughs> can't talk about back. Mike. We got to talk about Mike. <laughs> so we're introduced to Mike. Literally, his name is Mike. Two quotation marks. Um, <laughs> and we come to find out that he he was basically the man doing the abortions for the first you know few years of the James. And th- he doesn't really ever tell us kind of like what his role was. He just kind of said he worked with an abortion uh, doctor and every day, day in, day out, he watched the doctor do the um, procedures and then the doctor didn't let him do the procedures. So he got good at it did did they say what he did originally i think My, it was very heavily mob there was a the big mob oh, implication yeah. there yeah yes. gotcha. and then especially later on when they go back to him about the he's you know he was involved in other they they assumed he was involved in other illegal pursuits when it comes out that he wasn't actually a doctor because there's a one <laughs> woman who asked do you know how to crack a safe and he knew how to do that uh you yeah. know and some people thought of him as a con man and that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that would be my assumption too especially knowing the opening story of the fact that it was about the mob providing abortions i have to imagine that he was shadowing so it wasn't like, yeah and when, when he wanted to get out he wanted to get out for a couple of reasons one was he didn't quite agree with providing abortions for nothing because wasn't this about making money right. and i think there was pressure from other figures on him to get out of it as well but they said he was kind and they yeah. said he was gentle and they said mm-hmm. he was very good at what he did Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He it, it seemed like it was pressure from the mob for him to come work for them. 
That's what it, mm. it, it kind of seemed like. And I and maybe they precipitated his training too. But yeah, he was yeah, he wasn't you know, he wasn't getting paid much. Um, but he did train the Janes to do abortions, which I was actually surprised at this part of the of the documentary. Liana, what did you think of the Janes taking the abortions into their own hands? Wait, surprised that he taught them or surprised that they learned? I I was surprised. I didn't know that they were the ones actually conducting the abortions Mm -hmm. going into this. I just thought they were the underground network that helped women get them. I did not know that they were also later on performing them themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I thought that that was so cool. I think Mm -hmm. also it just demonstrates that with the right training. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that, that people can be educated on how to do. And so to see them truly take it into their own hands and be, you know, not reliant on Mike after a while was mm-hmm. really interesting to see. Pretty well, cool, it meant yeah. they could provide the free, the free abortion as, as right. Mike did, Mike did want to get paid. And that extraordinary moment when, um, Laura Kaplan, I think it is, she brings out her plastic bag with her abortion instruments yeah. and mm-hmm. she shows you, she shows you how to do it. And I, I love the, just the practicality of it. And at mm-hmm. one point, she she slips when she she's handling the instrument. She says, "Oh, I haven't done this for a while." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe keep those uh, those <laughs> instruments on the ready. I would have. Thought. Yeah, yeah. And we we also, but we also got a story about them saying like a young black um, woman uh, came in to the James. Oh yeah. Um, she cool. was yeah she was suffering from a fever already when she had came in. They said they could tell that at that time when she came in that she was already suffering from an infection and she was telling them that she desperately needed an abortion and they told her they could not give her one because she was clearly it had uh, she had a infection and that they told her she needed to go to the hospital they said she grabbed her clothes and left and um a lot of the they women were going here, to take her when they were going they were to need to take her to the hospital i think I don't know. Oh, they, they? All, all, all we know is one of the Janes said afterwards that um, she wishes they had insisted mm-hmm. on taking oh, okay. her to the yeah, hospital. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, the woman, I, I, she, they're saying they think eventually she ended up at the hospital because they were just, they were just, they used that as a moment to say what happens when you, you, you're, you have a septic abortion. They said that it seemed like she tried to take care of her herself before she came to the Janes, which is what caused the infection. And then after that, if she were to have ended up at the hospital, she would have gone to the hospital. She would have been taken up to the septic abortion ward. And they talk about that, but it was too late. And um, they talk about how, I, I don't know if they said if it was in the paper, but they, they tried to contact her. They kept trying to contact her for like two days after she had left because they were trying to check up on her, but they found out that she had uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it seemed like a lot of the Jane said they wished that they could have helped further. I think it was the family pastor that called or something like that, if I'm remembering gotcha. correctly. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, for me, I think this was just sort of another example of, why having safe medical care is so critical mm-hmm. uh, because we really get a case study of of what happens when you're unable to have access to those resources. Exactly, exactly. And it and I this is a great point a part to highlight here too that it when this happens like you guys said for people who do not have the means to go to other states it will it will most likely negatively affect um black and brown women more than anything and women who are are poor as well so i i thought it was really interesting how we we were getting um old footage of um 
they kept stressing black and Puerto Rican women. I don't know. Is that just the, was that the makeup of Chicago at the time? I, I don't know, but I thought it was very important that they, I like that there. Cause that's, a, that's not, that's not being talked about a lot. Like with Roe, uh, Roe uh, v. Wade being overturned right now, like still black women are still dying three times. They're three more, three times more likely to die in childbirth than mm-hmm. white women of the same educational status right mm-hmm. here today in 2022. So when you're forcing people to keep those children and when that's the stat, like how are we focusing on ab- abortions and forcing women to um, keep the keep babies, but then not providing good access to health care so that they don't die from, from having, from having children. So I just thought it was a, a very important part to bring up in the documentary. And speaking of which, I loved that the documentary re- relied heavily on um, old footage of the time. Not too many. I don't think there were many re- recreations or anything. It felt none. like a lot of none. Yeah, none. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> lots of just, lots of just archival footage to kind of put you in that 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 time period. So I I truly did appreciate that. Well, and they also pulled footage from the other doc. So there was a documentary in 1995, Jane and mm-hmm. Abortion Service, and mm-hmm. they were able to pull some of the interviews from that of some of the yeah. women who were, who, you know, who took over. Cause I think it was, what was the woman's name who like started jo- the whole thing? Jo- Heather? Jo- no. Uh- so he- like Heather was the one who started it. She was the one who started doing the calls when TRM Howard, you know, the doctor guy oh, or whatever at yes. the beginning, mm-hmm. who then got arrested for some other stuff. But anyway, it was like her. And then, yeah, Sarah, what you were saying, it was, who were the two women? What were their names? Jo- we saw, we, Ruth and, uh, Ruth and Jody. Yes, Ruth and um, Jody. And mm-hmm. they talked about Jody being really charismatic. And she, like many of the Janes, worked and worked and worked herself into the ground. And then one day she just said, right, that's it. And took herself off to a mental health institution and popped herself in there. A nice bit of self care there, Jody. And when the seven were arrested, um, I think Eleanor rang her and said, Right, that's it. Get yourself out of the hospital. <laughs> but I liked very much the presentation of that fact because it would be easy to just say, Oh, these sheroes, a word I hate, these sheroes who did this amazing stuff. But it was taking a toll on them. Um, physically, mentally, we hear from two husbands, but others of them might have had husbands who perhaps were not supportive. So there was a toll on the women, which they don't speak about. But through the example of Jody, we can see that it's work and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So the arrest was kind of funny. And I, I think that's where we could, you know, yes. get into the end of this. But so the the aforementioned, um, what was it? Detective. I refuse to remember his name. Sergeant. I know. It's Sergeant. Ted yeah. O'Connor. Ted O'Connor. So Ted they O'Connor. they went they, on the tip of the two women who ratted out their their sister-in-law they um were they managed to tail one of the taxis back from the place to the front they walked into the front um i the janes were like uh, you know the 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 place was alerted once the front once they they knocked on the door of the front and they got they came in there he he went up to one woman he like did you just have an abortion and you know and she said yes and he basically he made her show him where where they go to the, the place they knock down the the doors uh the women adamantly say the jane say that they knock down the doors 
He says they did not. I believe the women. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too, because yeah. one of them even says the heel, the, the, the footprint foot uh, when mm-hmm. they kicked the door in. Yes. And so they they threw the instruments out the out the window. They had the women get get dressed and they just sat there when they when they um, <laughs> they kicked on the door. One of the women had a, a pork roast in the oven because they were going to eat it together. And when the women when the, the sergeants uh, busted in, they were like, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? They're looking all around like the women are just sitting there. They're like, where's the doctor? They look out the window looking for a male doctor. And he and the the um, the cop says he never it never dawned on him that the women could be the ones doing mm-hmm. it. Which again, and there you go. Um, <laughs> and then seven of the Janes were arrested. But Ted mm-hmm. did say to them, uh, "Oh, what's for lunch?" Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. and Peaches says to him, "Pig." Pig. <laughs> I, so, well, I didn't understand. Was the pork roast for them to eat, or was it like a cover story? Because I felt oh, no. like lunch. Oh, it's genuinely for lunch. Okay. Genuinely. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. kind of cool to have like, oh yeah, no, we're just cooking. We're just, we're it's just, just a we, dinner club. In the kitchen, am I right? Like, we, uh, yeah. <laughs> cooking class. We're doing a cooking class. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's practical. They need to have lunch and they were all going to eat that yeah. together. I think it's, 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 it's communal. Sense. Communal. Sense. Mm. Yeah. I, I think the other, the other thing about this whole segment, right, is all about them getting busted and we get to see their mug shots. Yeah. And they were all so young. Very, and, yeah. And this really hit me because I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I mm. need to go. It was it was very empowering, I think, yes. to think that these young women in in the 70s, right, what they were up against and what they were having to do, that they were willing to take these risks and it to help other people. And it was just so cool to see. Exactly. Yeah, yeah this was a time, I mean, they, they, they touch on that. And this is why, if anyone's wondering why people are worried about other rights like uh, contraception and uh, other things going out the window, you couldn't get contraception unless you were married. So there was mm-hmm. the advice to young uh, female uh, students at university to go to Woolworths and buy a $5 ring and put it on your finger. And now you can go to a doctor and say, I'm Mrs. So-and-so just to get your contraception. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, uh, I remember in the mid seventies, a couple of years after the Janes finished, when I started looking for work, I've been working since 1975 and you would open the newspaper to the, uh, situations vacant. And there were two columns and one was men and boys and one was women and girls. This is my lifetime. And this was totally accepted that you went and looked for the, the jobs that were available for women. So these young women were engaging in this outrageous activism at a time when they barely had rights Mm -hmm. and where society's expectations of them, particularly their their class and their education, were not to be driving people around and uh, and being and, and engaging in illegal acts. Mm-hmm. So I think, Liana, that's a great point when you, because we do see a lot of, of uh, footage of them as young women, but those mugshots are breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And so, like we said, um, their lawyer managed to, uh, Joanne Wilson managed to put off their um, uh, trial until after Roe v. Wade passed. So uh, they were staring at 110 years 
Um, but because of that, they all charges were dropped and they were um, able to go. And that's like how the documentary ends. And mm-hmm. again, it, it it ends like very hopeful. It's, it's like it's so hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting because the documentary was released June 8th, 2022. Right. So mm-hmm. they were obviously making it kind of before like before we heard anything, but yeah. then it was just interesting to have this release date because it's after the Supreme court leak. So, you know, they kind of yeah, knew what is. was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, part of me did wonder if there was, they were going to do any sort of like at the very end, some type of segment on the future, what this could mean or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think really because it's such a chaotic situation right now, I think just keep it self-contained will probably help ultimately in the long run, but yeah, a history of these of these exactly. women and they say mm-hmm. at the end so here comes roe v wade uh the janes disbands and the septic abortion ward at the chicago hospital closes because mm-hmm. there's no more need for it right uh oh man yeah exactly and i think it's a perfect time capsule of what's going on at least specifically in chicago between mm-hmm. 1968 and 1973 but i i think that it was it is great to have out there and i i think they pushed it out here now to as a reminder to be like hey this is where we were this is how mm-hmm. bad it was you know and and like i said i didn't know a good portion like a lot of it so it was it was really good to see this and and be informed about reproductive rights before Roe v. Wade. And so, yeah, I we then <laughs> watched um, Reversing Roe, which is a 2018 documentary on Netflix, just to kind of, uh, you know, we like to, we like to watch the, uh, additional things uh, to give us a, another perspective. And whew, uh, Reversing Roe is a 2018 documentary on Netflix directed by Ricky Stern and Ann Sundberg. Those uh, directors have since made uh, The Preppy Murder, Death in Central Park, and Surviving Jeffrey Epstein together. I don't think I've seen any uh, of those, either of those. Yeah, Surviving Jeffrey Epstein, it's good. They are are good documentary filmmakers, put it that way. Great. Reversing Road. Uh, Liana, have you seen that? Yes, so I I watched it. um, This was in my, because this, yeah, you said 2018. This was in my uh, Netflix documentary era where I was watching like every documentary (laughs) that they would release. So my, my memory is very vague of it, but I remember like, I remember also thinking though, well, it's never going to happen, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, watching it, watching it uh, yesterday, they lay out what might happen step by step, and mm-hmm. it's it's like the playbook of what has happened. I was, I mean, I knew something, but I was shocked by Shock, the yeah. politicization of abortion. I didn't realize that uh, Ronald Reagan had a certain slogan that was taken up by a certain, you know, yeah, president. Feels everything. So, oh, well, that's true. To see mm-hmm. these presidents, uh, Reagan and uh, George H. W. Bush, uh, and I remember their their uh, reigns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, everything that happens in America, it does actually affect us here. We're an ally of uh, America. We came to every war that you asked us to come to, and. We have, you know, political and social uh, um, friendships and what happens with you can affect us, certainly uh, has done in the past. So I remember when Reagan got in again, four more years, four more years, I remember crying at my kitchen table, even though I'm mm-hmm. not American, but uh, mm-hmm. 
So he's he was pro-choice. H.W. was pro-choice. Uh, I think it's uh, what is it? Anti. Let's let's say anti-choice here. No, they yeah. were pro-choice. Both. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yes, he and was pro-choice. I'm just saying. And, like, then, they, and then they got then they got the word. You've got to be yeah. you've mm-hmm. got to be pro-life to get the evangelicals to get into the White House. You need this huge um, voter base. Yeah. So the the. Political pragmatism of these fuckers. Sorry, we haven't said we haven't sworn. Well, Sarah did, but we haven't sworn once in sixteen podcasts. But uh, it, it, it is the word that comes to mind to to use women and people who can get pregnant bodies for political gain. I mean, it's not surprising, but it is shocking, yeah. angering. And I was floored by the windback that they did to the uh, Christian schools who want tax-exempt status and not given them because they segregate. And so in order to be allowed, so it's money, it's religion, it's racism, it's Mm -hmm. oppression and it's control. And it's not that I didn't know it, uh, but I am going to recommend reversing Roe, but I'm also going to recommend that you have a stiff drink uh, or go for a walk afterwards. What did you think We're of it, Mary? Yes, no, I, I agree. And I, I see where you're going there. Yeah, the, it's kind of not even ironic, but, you know, Ronald Reagan was initially a pro, pro-choice governor who introduced a, abortion, um, like expanded abortion rights in California. He also performed gun laws in California because, you know, Black Panther Party was getting their hands on guns, so they reformed guns so that we couldn't get our hands on that. Um, and then once he got in into um, office, reversing Roe completely lays out the the right wings how they implemented a, a plan to make abortion the topic to galvanize their base and how they unrolled it. Like it was, it talks to they I. I'm not even going to go into it, but they, they talk to certain um, uh, heads of groups who proudly talk about how they shut down abortion clinics and how there's like seven states that only have one abortion clinic in the, the whole entire state. So my uh, I, of course, will su- suggest reversing row. I think uh, the both documentaries kind of like bookend each other. It's kind of like what happened before row um, and what's you know happening or going to happen after row. But reversing row, just a warning is they have a lot of their talking heads are from the right wing anti anti choice. That's why I'm going to call them. They are not pro life because if they were pro life, they would worry about what happens after birth. Um, but they're the they have heads of the anti choice movement talking about like gleefully about overturning abortion so just giving you a heads up that it, it it's very much presented as you know it's it, they present both sides of the the, the debate so yeah so those are our further properties <laughs> let's get to the ratings liana uh what are you going to rate the janes uh out of five magnifying glasses um so i just uh I want to make sure. Okay, yeah, okay. So yeah, we'll do the rating because then, then I got I got a few other like outside of the jeans kind of things to say. So I I would say personally, I felt like this was probably a four out of five for me in terms of showcasing what was going on at the time. I I think that one ding comes from the fact that because I'm we're so in it right now that like 
I wanted more, but I think that that's almost too much to ask of the property. I think that it did a great job for what it, the story that it was trying to tell. There may, may be some bits that were a little bit less cohesive and I think could have been a little bit more laid out cleanly. But overall, I think that this was definitely worth watching. And it was really interesting to hear the stories of these women. Great, great point. Uh, Sarah, what do you rate this episode? Well, I'm going to give it a 4.5. I loved spending time with these women. I, I felt such a great sort of fellow feeling uh, with them, as I as I expressed before. I am going to ding it for, without warning, showing us crime scene photographs. Yes. Unforgivable. Absolutely mm-hmm. unforgivable. So when Ted O'Connor is saying, oh, we were homicide and we were, yeah, we had much more important <laughs> things to do, they give us a series of black and white crime scenes with dead bodies in it. Yeah, We're on record. We don't mind seeing it. You have to warn us. And it has to be apropos. And I didn't think that was apropos. The detective can tell me Mm -hmm. that there are murders. I can imagine this. That's a big ding for me. Uh, And that's almost an entire magnifying glass. But I liked it so much I'm going to bring it back up to 4.5. What about you, Marie? Yeah, no, I'm gonna. I, I I agree. That did take me aback. I was like, why am I looking at crime scene photos right now? Again, I don't mind it, but a little bit of a heads up would be great. Yeah, no, I give it a four. I completely agree with Liana in a sense that there it, there was so much that it that the documentary taught us, and I learned a lot. But it, there was still a little bit more that it kind of uh, left me wanting. But again, it, it it's probably what's happening now that's very much impacting me. Um, but I thought it was a great property. I would suggest uh, everybody watch it just to see the struggle and, and the struggle and the, you know, the sacrifices that these women, the women who are getting the abortions, all of that, everybody made before, you know, that we had the, we were given the choice and how we cannot let their sacrifices that these women made and women all across the country um, who fought for reproductive rights, how we can't let their sacrifices go unheard and that we need to now we need to be this ver- this generation's version of, of the Janes and we need to get out there and we need to do whatever we can to help. Yeah. So, I mean, reversing Roe says, told us that, uh, in America, one in four uh, people who get pregnant will have an abortion in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. That figure yeah. is not going to change. The exactly. outcomes are going to change. The outcomes and the experience and the outcomes are going to change. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think so. I, I have I have two other thoughts. Um, so Please. one thing to add to the ratings of why I also ranked it maybe a little bit lower is because I think I wanted a little bit more history. But I think that that of, of abortion in America or or in the states. But I think that part of that is just again because of what's going on right now. Because there's sort of this argument that like, oh well, abortion, uh, it's you know it's, it's always been bad, blah blah blah, whatever. Like it's only been this recent you know Roe v Wade decision, but it was commonplace. And in fact, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. He wrote, he had like this British manual that he had written that included stuff about like math and um, caring for horses and that kind of stuff. He included, it's called the instructor in that he included how to induce an abortion. Like, like it was so commonplace that it, it, like it's not this thing that has been outlawed forever and no one's ever done. I mean, even Mm. indigenous peoples, knew what roots and and things that Mm -hmm. they could use in order to do this so this is like has been going on it was originally seen in the colonies as a decision that was to made it it was women's business you know it was midwives Mm -hmm. that were doing a lot of this 
And, and so it just, it's so interesting to see how the narrative has changed in the way that it's currently being discussed. So I think because of that, that was sort of part of what I wanted, but understandably they just focused in on like just solely Chicago because that's where the story is being told. So I get that. So I, you know, I can't like complain too much. Um, so that was my first point. And then the second thing that I have to say is about the criminalization of it all. Mm. Right. So obviously they were arrested and charged because it's a freaking felony. So thinking about how this is now in the current state with Roe v. Wade being overturned of how this is going to, you know, impact people moving forward who choose to go through with these services. That's why I mentioned that the Connecticut law has protection for those who want to go after this, because this is going to be criminalized. And even since Roe being passed, um, the National Advocates for Pregnant Women identified uh, 413 criminal and civil cases across states involving arrests, detentions, and equivalent um, deprivations of pregnant women's liberties, and a further 250 ca- or since 73 to 2005, and a further 250 cases since 2005. And there was a story, mm-hmm. um, like a case that I had heard, and it, you know, again, anecdotal, but I think gives a, a case study of what could potentially happen, where there was a woman who got into an altercation. Um, she was pregnant. She got into an altercation with another woman mm-hmm. who who the other woman shot the woman who was pregnant. So the woman who who uh, who sh- who shot the pregnant woman went originally went to trial for manslaughter. But when the evidence came to light that actually it was the pregnant woman who instigated the fight and it was self-defense. And so I think this was in I want to say Texas. <laughs> but I yeah. Be wrong. Of course, based on the stay on the ground laws in the state the, that they, those charges were dropped. But then what happened was that the woman who was pregnant was charged with manslaughter for yes. endangering the fetus. Mm-hmm. And then those were actually ended up being like, I, I think ultimately everything got dropped, but I think that that sort of provides an example of how criminalization could happen. This is why people are talking about how are ways in an era of data that you can protect your privacy, delete yes. your period tracking apps, use the uh, browsers that provides, use VPNs, um, something mm-hmm. that provides some type of barrier uh, to, to help defend yourself in this, uh, this data age. So Anyway, those are my two thoughts, both looking in the past and looking forward. It's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds. And uh, I think there's a lot of understandably nervousness about the situation. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. I was getting nervous doing research for this. I was, you know, researching Roe v. Ray, re- researching um, our resources, you know, and I was like, oh, man, can I get in trouble for looking this stuff up? So I agree. I think it's again, we need we we want to be level headed and um, seeing how everything's going to play out. But there's some reasonable fear that some of this stuff can be taken overboard. Mm-hmm. Um to say the least. Uh, Liana, do you have anything you would like to recommend to the listeners? Oh, uh, yes. So I saw this documentary at Yale. I, I don't know because I was trying to find if it's easily accessible online and I couldn't, but I'm going to keep digging on that. Um, so the the movie that I was thinking of is Fly So Far. So it's actually, uh, it's from El Salvador. The filmmaker is from El Salvador, um, but it's when miscarriage is a crime. Um, and mm-hmm. so it tells the story of this woman who had a stillbirth and then ends up like getting put in prison and it's like spends 10 years behind bars for a stillbirth. Oh, Essentially, it provides sort of an example of why we need to fight so hard because this is, you know, where we hopefully will never be. But just to see what happens when you have such strict anti-abortion laws and a very like 
criminalistic government. So um, that was the the one movie that I thought. And then the other one um, that I watched actually after was it was a BAFTA award winner. America's War on Abortion. And this one is available on YouTube um, from the Fuse channel because it's from the UK. It premiered on ITV. And like I said, it's a BAFTA award winner. So it's from British filmmakers, but they actually go to Alabama and they interview people who are serving at abortion clinics, people who have gone to abortion clinics. Um, they talk about doctors that have been killed, abortion clinics that have been bombed to essentially, and this is all before, right, Roe v. Wade, just to see that mm-hmm. this, you know, war on abortion has been going on for, you know, much longer than just the the Roe v. Wade of it all. So I think that also kind of fits with um, overturning Roe as well. Yes. Uh, reversing, reversing reversing row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a whole section of of people who, again, claim to be pro-life. Most of them were, who claim to be pro-life were assassinating yeah. abortion abortion providers. So, yeah. Uh, oh, great. I can't wait to uh, check that out. Yes. Uh, Sarah, what do you recommend? Well, I, I recommend that we listen to the words of one of the Janes. Uh, she was a reverend, I'm assuming a Protestant, Patricia Novick Raby. And she said, I was afraid all the time, but I was a warrior for justice. And mm-hmm. I think just even listening to, I hadn't even thought the fact that, Mari, when you looked up uh, support and information that we're going to provide shortly, that's now in your browser history that you mm-hmm. uh, Googled, you know, where is support for for abortion? And so I think we need to, uh, American people who are going to take up this course do need to protect yourself and your privacy, but also have some courage that uh, this, that that we we can't back down. None of us can back down uh, mm-hmm. in support of our own rights and in support of our fellow human beings. I want to recommend the latest episode of the Purple Pants podcast on RHAP. Mm-hmm. It's called Her Choice. Uh, it dropped uh, last Tuesday on the 28th of July. So by the time you hear this, that there, there may be another episode that's dropped. Uh, so with Her Choice, uh, Bryce handed his platform over to Women's Voices for their perspective on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I, in particular, appreciated their honesty and their rage. And while that may sound strange, sometimes it's very elevating to realise it's very enlivening and energizing to hear someone else's rage that matches your own and to know that you are not the only one that is feeling the way that you're feeling about the overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade or any of these injustices. Mari, recommendations from you? You know, reversing Roe. But honestly, I'm going to recommend something that has absolutely nothing to do with crime. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) It's not a documentary. I'm going to go, I'm going to recommend you guys go see or go watch First Kill on Netflix. It is a teen fantasy um, vampire show that has honestly been giving me life for the past few weeks. Nobody is talking about it. I thought I was going to, I kind of want to podcast about it, but nobody's talking about it. But it's such, it's been like such a, a source of light for me. It has like queer representation, black queer representation. It's, um, so it's like a young adult based off a young adult book where two young women fall in love. One just happens to be a vampire. The other is a vampire slash monster hunter. It is the cutest thing imaginable. <laughs> Go decompress for like two seconds. Wait, what's it called that. again? It's called First Kill and it's First. on Netflix oh, in the US. Okay. Yes. It is 
so light and and it's light but also still like having really good representation in it so hmm. again, and there's like lots I, of bathroom sex <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can, can we also just make other recommendations? I also want to yes, recommend please. our flag means death. My sister um, <laughs> was like, "You have to watch this," and I binged the whole thing, and it was so fun, and I loved it. I can't remember what it was on Amazon Prime, maybe H- whatever HBO. You, HBO. Oh, HBO, HBO. Okay, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, you can Google it and find. It was so fun, and we're seeing Reese Darby actually tomorrow. He's coming to do stand up, so oh, wow. we and I are both very excited. Oh, anyway, wonderful. <laughs> that's my non uh, non so serious <laughs> plug. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're talking to one of the hosts of the Our Flag Means Death podcast. Over oh, that's right. Oh yes. My yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Of well, it's interesting <laughs> that both your recommendations one had the word kill in it and one had the word death in it. So, <laughs> so thematically, thematically here. Yeah. Um, just on a just on a slightly more serious note, briefly, Mary, what did you manage to find for for support? Yes, for support and resources. Here. Yeah. It, yeah, in the US if you want to uh either donate to your local abortion funds or uh want to find abortion services, please go to um abortionfunds.org. Um it's a great great resource for um finding all sorts of uh, help regarding reproductive rights. Um so go check that out. Awesome. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback uh, and suggestions for future episodes. Uh, listener Tanya told us that she watched The Janes because of our coming up uh, last week when we announced that we would be speaking about it with Liana today. Um, she said it was moving to hear from all the women in the organisation and heartbreaking that these heroes are seeing our country take 10 steps back. Yes, Tanya, mm. absolutely. Uh, you can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's scene, S-E-E-N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. Um, Liana, do you have uh, any plugs? Where can the people find you? Sure. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Liana RHAP. I'm podcasting about Drag Race, all stars, all winners. So yeah. we're uh, we're doing that right now. Beth Amon and I are having a really great time talking about all of that. And then I'm also going to be on the 90 Day Fiance podcast coming up this next week with uh, my fabulous husband. So very much looking forward to that. And I want to thank you both again for having me on and I haven't really had a good outlet to talk about a lot of my frustration. I cried on my bike ride home on Friday and then complained to my sister over a glass of wine for about 10 minutes. And that's as much as I've been able to do. So this was very cathartic for me. And and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the recommendation. And this was just uh, overall a total blast. Thank you. No problem. Come back anytime. (laughs) Whatever you want, we'll cover it with you. I'm so (laughs) glad that can help. And I I agree. This has definitely been very, very cathartic. Uh, Where can people find you, Sarah? They can follow me at Sarah Carradine on Twitter. And what about you, Mari? Of course, you can find me every week on the Wrestling Rehab Up podcast with the great Matt Scott, um, where each week we talk about the highlights of the week in wrestling. We just dropped uh, their, the Money in the Bank preview podcast dropped. So you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed. If you need to subscribe, you can follow me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's too like the number too. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get we'll <laughs> Big Brother. We'll get something from Big Brother by the time this comes out. Tuesday. So C- CBS confirmed, and Shannon Tharp tweeted Tuesday is the cast reveal. So the fifth of July. 
So if you're listening to this, <laughs> go and look at the cast because they may have just came out because CBS hates us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as Big Brother comes on, I'm pretty sure I'll be on a good portion of those Big Brother uh, podcasts. So just follow me on Twitter so you know um, where you can catch me. at. So what do we have coming up next week, Sarah? Well, next time on Crime Scene, we enter the web of make-believe. Uh, that's with guest Brooklyn Zed. So you can watch that on Netflix and send us your comments and questions. Uh, Murray and I watched the whole series, but we yes. focus particularly on the first episode, which is called Death by SWAT. Yes. Thanks to Will from America for the theme music, Tricky Rice for the graphics, and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed. <laughs> <laughs>